As I was sitting on my board, the only sound I actually heard aside from the wind was This is Inga calling you from Bali. I'm not from Bali, as you can hear it from my accent. I'm actually from Estonia. And I just want to let you know that I have been stuck here almost for eight months. And if you're going to be stuck somewhere during pandemic, believe me, that's the good place to be. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that I love your podcast. It's really inspiring and it makes me think and rethink how I'm traveling, actually. One thing what I love about traveling is just going on relaxing walks. There is something about walking and slowing down, just observing little things. And in here in Bali, walks on the beach are just beautiful. Anyway, everyone, I hope we all can get back on the road soon. And thanks a lot, Don. Your podcast rocks. Thank you very much, Inga, for that wonderful voice message. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Traveler's Art Podcast. Today, we'll be moving on to the second half of episode three, which is Assume It's Your Last Trip. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, then I recommend that you listen to that because that's going to be tied into this one. So, you know, I said in the intro, they're not in sequential order. Well, the episodes aren't in sequential order. You can skip around. They're independent. But this story is connected to the previous story. So just to kind of keep everybody on the same page so they understand what's actually happening. This uh, this story is a recent story. In fact, this happened probably, I think, um, this year. Yeah. And it, it was a a very, very, very emotional experience. And I think it ties into the previous story and it brings, uh, brings us on another journey to a different part of the world in a different environment. And, um, I think you're going to find this very inspiring. And I think you're also going to find it a story that allows, I don't want to say like an out, but it allows us to it shows that you can make mistakes in travel in the past and rectify them in the present. I think everybody knows that I do have strong opinions about travel and I'm okay with those strong opinions to be quite frank because they're not developed to be in control or to be right or to have some kind of power base over people. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, my opinions about travel as I've mentioned in other podcasts and with other people, it's really about giving those experience to people that they're seeking that has real lasting value and change. I think this, this particular story does that. I think it ties it together at the end of the story. I'll go ahead and and wrap it up on a philosophical level for us and also just kind of bring it together overall. So without any further ado or waiting, let's jump into this. This story is called, Children of the Wind. Packing my bag, I made sure I had all the items I would need. Sunscreen, shorts, 
rash guard. I had a surf hat, my uh, travel journal, a little bit more sunscreen and uh, lip balm. Packed two bars of board wax, packed a new board leash, also a wax comb. I uh, packed my massage therapy ball and plenty of anti-inflammatories for my shoulder that had been injured about a year ago. And of course, I brought my hammock because after any activity, there's nothing like relaxing in a hammock. Three weeks ago, I had been having a beer on the beach in Bali in a place called Changu. And I just happened to be invited on a surf trip to the island of Java. I had just met some new friends about a month or so ago at a place called Taco Swell. And they were fellow surfers. And normally, I'm really averse to groups, uh, large gatherings, clubs, memberships, and any other derivative of the aforementioned. But every now and then, I do run across a collection of people that are welcoming, they lack pretense, and they truly enjoy each other's company. During my time at Taco Swell, I actually met a guy named Johnny. And uh, Johnny was a very, very interesting guy. He's very quiet, but he's a very, very good listener. And he had a tremendous amount of surf experience and surf knowledge. I would probably qualify him as a true waterman. When I met Johnny, COVID had just really kind of taken hold of the island of Bali. The beaches had been shut down. But Johnny said, hey, look, I know somebody else that's going to be getting access so we could do an early morning dawn patrol surf just down the street. Would you like to go? And without hesitation, I said yes, but I warned him I don't have a board. And um, the motorbike that I have doesn't actually have a board rack, so I can't buy one and I have no way to transport a board. So that's kind of why I don't own one. In any case, he said, look, I'll bring a, I'll bring a board for you. The next morning, he handed me a board in the pitch dark. We paddled out just as the sun was beginning to light the sky. I would never forget that feeling of being in the water in Bali as the sun was rising and there were the occasional rainbow in the distance out at sea and on the horizon where the sun was rising, strong beams of orange light would burst forth like trumpets around the clouds that would be masking the sun's rise as if it were announcing the arrival of the gods. The orange beams would strike the volcanoes on the island on some of the clear mornings. It really was the things of magic. Getting out there, I realized that surfing in Bali was different than anywhere else I had surfed. I ended up becoming dejected and refused by the surf and pretty much paddled around without catching many waves. Now granted, my shoulder was still in bad shape and the board was probably not floating me as well as I wanted. But for some reason, in the end, I just couldn't catch waves. But finally, after a number of days of going out with Johnny, I was able to catch a good size wave and I felt the lift of the wave and then the drop in as it put me down the face, down the line I went, made a really strong turn. And just then I saw Johnny as I passed by and he had a smile on his face. It really was a good feeling and a good day. It had been years since I had been in the water to surf. When we got out of the water, Johnny said, I think you need a bigger board. The one that'll float you a lot more. I think that one that we're, you're borrowing from me is just not buoyant enough. 
So Johnny suggested that we look around for uh, a board that would give me more buoyancy and help float me better and therefore I could catch more waves. And I was, uh, let's just say, all for it. And so we proceeded to drive our motorbikes all over the island looking for a board that would be suitable. You know, and I really look back on that time and just felt so honored and privileged to receive his guidance and his willingness to help me because he didn't have to. And that's one of the things I've learned in life. Nobody has to help you do anything. You don't have the right to get help. It's a privilege to get help. And I really, really felt honored and I was very respectful and I really appreciated everything he did because he really kind of helped me out to a point where I, I didn't know. He knew so much about board design, about fin design, fin placement, and yeah, he really, he really made that happen. Finally, we came across a really good candidate and for a price that, well, was hard to turn down. Well, it wasn't perfect, it certainly would do the trick. And I would end up taking the board that we found on the surf trip. As I swung in my hammock watching the beautiful surf roll in, I dreamed of riding those amazing waves. The air was filled with the sound of crashing surf, mixed with the sounds of the jungle. Monkeys were everywhere, and honestly, it was kind of the thing that you dream about on like a, a cool remote surf trip. I really reveled in the moment as I swung in my hammock, just daydreaming of tomorrow. Riding the boat out to the surf break, I realized that the surf was far larger than it had appeared from shore yesterday afternoon. These waves were insanely steep and they were moving into shore at a speed that I had never seen in my life. The ease of catching them was deceiving as I had viewed it from my hammock. As a Southern California surfer, I was used to waves that were cold, moving much slower and broke in much deeper water, usually on sand or a smooth rock bottom. These were some of the most intense waves I had ever seen. They were coming into shore, peeling in long lines, breaking on a sharp coral reef in no more than six feet of water. As a kid, I had seen people with reef cuts and went, ouch, that must really hurt. You know, it kind of looks like road rash. Unfortunately though, the reef is full of organisms, animals, and bacteria. If you get cut or scrapes from the reef, it's, uh, it's no laughing matter. They're usually pretty painful. They have a tendency to get easily infected, even if you've taken the care to wash and sterilize and cover the wound. I would find this out a few weeks later when my foot got a single scrape on the top of it. I ended up fighting a foot infection for close to three weeks. In the water, I was almost paralyzed by what was happening around me and to me. I was actually in this place. I was taking note of everything. The depth of the water, the colors in the water and the colors of the reef, the currents, the wind, the intensity of the sun that felt like needles hitting your body. And I was so grateful that I had a full 
long sleeve rash guard on to protect me from the sun. And my hat was actually protecting my forehead, my eyes and my nose. And in the distance was the shore with swaying palms of virgin untouched jungle. It was hard to fathom that I was actually here. As I was sitting on my board, the only sound I actually heard aside from the wind was the breaking waves as it peeled down the line. Ah, oh, it sounded to me like a wrecking freight train and they looked that big. I was so blessed to be in this place. I couldn't believe that I was actually surfing here. I had been lucky enough and privileged enough to surf in one of the best breaks in the world called G-Land. If you're not a surfer, this may not seem like a big deal, but let me give you some context. G-Land is located in the south coast of Java, facing the Indian Ocean. So in essence, it's exposed to some of the largest swells generated by the huge low pressure systems that circle the Southern Ocean of Antarctica. Many thousands of kilometers south, these waves travel all the way until they encounter the reefs of G-Land and make perfectly breaking waves for surfing. In 1972, it was actually found and explored by a group of American surfers and shortly evolved into a few remote surf camps. And following that, it started to become really well known. As a kid, I can still remember seeing G-Land in Surfer Magazine when I was a teenager. I couldn't believe that waves looked like that and that those waves actually existed. I dreamed of spending time in the jungle and, and paddling out to these waves and surfing these waves, but I knew it was so far off. I had mowed yards uh, in Florida at $10 a yard to buy my first surfboard. And let me tell you, that was hard work. I think that's one of the reasons why I never want to own a house or a yard to this day. In any case, today, it's normal for the break to have close to 200 to 250 surfers in the water one time. Well, it's a big break. That's still a lot of people in the water. But I was just glad to be here. I was paddling close to shore and I stopped, sat on my board and had a deep talk to myself. A perspective talk is what I call it. I speak out loud and I'm shameless about it. I learned a long time ago the power of hearing your own voice as you talk through your feelings, your thoughts and emotions. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to get as much out of each day of surfing as possible. And this pressure was having a huge negative effect on my surfing and my general emotional state. I had almost been brought to tears a few times that day because of how I felt. Walking up to the camp from the beach, I took a freshwater shower at the entrance of the camp and imagined all my emotions and feelings just washing away to a new me ready for tomorrow. Later at dinner, while we were having beers, I asked one of the guys on our trip who had watched me take a pretty bad wipeout. So I looked at him and just asked him straight up, are you seeing anything that I'm missing? Because I feel like I should be catching and dropping in on these waves easily. And he said, I think you're not paddling early enough and long enough. You need to keep paddling down the face. Then Johnny chimed in and said, it could also be your eyes. You might not know if the wave is going to hold up properly and actually be in the right position. So when I went ahead, I humbled myself. I was 
very grateful for the feedback because in the end, it was about my ego. It was about the results. I wanted to surf more waves and I wanted to catch better waves at that. Johnny and I were in the boat heading out to the break and I was actually quite nervous. Was a little bit anxious about what was going on and how I was feeling about everything. I just jumped in the water, put my leash on and paddled out to the break. I took a deep breath and said, whatever happened yesterday doesn't matter. What happens today is what does. Johnny took the second wave of a pretty big set and uh, was in perfect position, not too early, which is kind of his normal, which was one of the reasons why I think I was falling when we first surfed together. He just loves to push the envelope, which I do love. I basically paddled to his position where he had actually uh, started paddling. I looked at the wave coming in, I watched it carefully, and then I committed paddling harder and longer than I normally would. As the wave encountered the reef, it increased in size and rose, and the top of the wave touched and lifted my feet. I felt the rising and floating feeling that is the telltale sign that I had actually caught this wave. I popped to my feet, I bent at the knees, squared my shoulders to the nose of the board, and prepared for the drop-in. It was the fastest and most incredibly accelerating drop-in I had ever experienced. The speed was astonishing. As I was dropping in, I could actually see the reef bottom through the crystal clear water. I continued down the wave and watched it form and build and change shape as it moved over that very shallow reef. But I kept my sights on the face and flew down the line at an incredible speed. I bent further on my front foot dropping my right knee, really accelerating. The waves started to hold back and I did a beautiful turn, really laying the rail end of the board hard into the wave and came back into a great position. And I noticed it began to form the telltale signs of a barreling tube of water. I crouched down, trying hard to make myself as small as possible. I could feel the change of the shape of the water under my feet as the wave began to tube around me. I was about to grab the side of my board to aid in stability and then the wave struck my head and knocked me off my board. I was instantly put into what can only be described as if I were being attacked by a tiger of water. My limbs flailed, my hat ripped off and the rotating cord broke. The leash pulled my leg incredibly hard. I tried to swim to the surface, but because of all of the air bubbles from the wave breaking, it was really hard to get to the surface. Finally, I was able to get to the surface. I took a big deep breath, exhaled and was smiling. I was as happy as a kid in a candy store. Got on top of my board and as I was paddling out to try and get out of the impact zone, there to my surprise was my hat. I grabbed my hat, I put it in my teeth and was paddling to clear water as fast as I could. Once in the clear water, I just was breathing as deep as I could, making sure to exhale all the CO2. I could feel the warmth of, of adrenaline running through my veins. And I modified my hat, got the retaining cord back on, put the hat back on, took a deep breath and paddled back to Johnny, which was easily at least a hundred meters away. It was a long ride 
and is one of the best rides of my life. Once I paddled back, Johnny didn't say anything. He kept looking up to see, and then he looked at me and said, Hey man, you have it wired. I struggled to speak, to be honest, because I was so emotional with joy. I was just trying to hold it together. All I could say was, let's wait and see how the rest of the day goes. But it was a great start. Indeed it was. I was sitting on the back of the high-speed boat that was taking us for our return trip to Bali. I found the song from the first surf movie I had ever seen and played it in my headphones. I was still amazed how big the surf was breaking in this beautiful clear water reef and the jungle in the distance. This was such a rare experience to have surfed G-Land. And the reason why, because due to the travel restrictions of the COVID-19 pandemic, I surfed G-Land with just eight other people. And at one point, it was just me and Johnny as we rode the children of the wind. hope you enjoyed that story. It was an incredible experience for me. But I wanted to tie up this story with the previous story. And the reason why is when I went to Burma, I made some really bad decisions. I really was haunted by that hot air balloon. And later on in life, I've actually made really good choices because I had that experience. I really was thinking to myself in different situations, hey, what's really going on here? where's the real perspective? Because we have to be careful that we're not lying and rationalizing the fact that, oh, well, I should just go on that. I mean, it's easy to say it's important when we just have a fear of missing out. But then there's also those moments that are just damn rare. For instance, I abandoned part of my trip at one point just to take a wine tour in Moldova because it was a rare experience to be with a eighth generation winemaker. What happened for me on the trip to Bali was I realized, look, I could walk away from this rare opportunity, but this was probably the only time in my lifetime, this is probably the last opportunity in my lifetime that I will ever be able to surf this break and that I'll be able to surf it like it had been in 1975 with no one in the water. I think if we step back and we ask ourselves when we're on our next trip, if an offer comes around that might not happen again, take a moment to think it through. Is it really that expensive or has my money paradigm just been like adjusted? That's what happened to me in Burma. Is it really that amazing or is it just hype? I had actually thought that the balloon was a bit of a novelty, but the truth was it was amazing. And will I really come back to this place? Ask yourself that. I know somebody that they really prefer to go to Italy every year for their vacation, which I think is great, but I'm a real wanderer, so I may not come back. Also, if I do come back, will it be close to the same? These are some really important questions. I hope these stories bring to light, hey, put your attention on your intention. It directs your energy. Don't operate from missing out, but don't operate from scarcity. And there's a difference. 
Anyway, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with other people. Hit the subscribe button. And as a reminder, subscribe doesn't cost you anything. It's free. I'm going to play you out with the song that was played on my headphones as I left G-Land. I think it'll be a good one. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.